Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, Eric Bilstead, it's it's not a headline that you necessarily want to see. The Drudge Report New York Attorney General, Kinky Cuomo harassed women, groping, kissing, verbal abuse, governor retaliated, violated federal and state law. Read it all here. Mm. That's not... No, that's the alliteration you don't want. Right, Kinky yeah, it's, it's just kind of... It, it's, it's pretty bad. You, you are, and th- this happens every once in a while, you will see a political career just implode before your eyes now if you will recall and remember eric that there were people that were talking about andrew cuomo being presidential material Mm -hmm. because remember like at the start of covid and stuff um he was sort of the anti-president trump you know president trump was getting all this this criticism for not responding appropriately and cuomo was the guy who was leading new york out of the mess yeah he looked like a leader so people were following and believing in looked like a a leader well I, i think well, first of all, then all the stuff they did in New York kind of yeah, like right. petered out to yep. begin with on COVID. But now that this story today, it's just, it's incredibly powerful. He is still addressing the people of New York right now. He denies he, it. He, he denies all is, the stuff yeah, in the report. He's denying everything in the report. So it's interesting to see what happens here. I mean, he's up for re-election. He is up for re-election in November of 2022. The, the interesting thing about this is you you have... The Democratic State Senate Majority Leader calling on him to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the um, Attorney General's office that's you know released this. Uh, Joe Biden is on record as saying that if these allegations are substantiated, he thinks Cuomo should resign. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, I mean, he apparently he's got some wealthy businessmen who have been pouring money into his reelection campaign. Um, he, he's raised over two million dollars uh, based a, a lot on on big donations from real estate sure. executives, um, Stephen Ross and Lawrence Rockefeller and things like that. So he's got a bunch of money. But the question becomes. In light of all this, how how do Boy, you survive? That I that would be something if he were able to win with all of this now. And th- I mean, this is a very graphic report. I mean, some of the things they said, I don't think people were expecting. Right, right, um, absolutely. Here's yeah, thanks, sir. Okay, here, here's here's the way see, to give you an idea of this. I mean, CN this is CNBC reporting. Cuomo violated federal and state laws as he sexually harassed multiple women, New York Attorney General says. Let me read you a portion of this. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed at least 11 women. And then, so this isn't one or two. This is 
a lot. This is Bill Cosby type of numbers. Sexually harassed at least 11 women and then retaliated against a former employee who complained publicly about his conduct, according to a bombshell report released Tuesday by the state attorney general. The months-long probe concluded that Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women and in doing so violated federal and state law. The 165-page report, which comprises interviews with 179 witnesses and the review of tens of thousands of documents, also said that Cuomo's office was riddled with fear and intimidation and was a hostile work environment for many staffers. Cuomo harassed members of his own staff, members of the public, and other state employees, one of whom was a state trooper, the report alleges. He engaged in non-consensual touching, groping, kissing, and hugging, and made inappropriate comments towards numerous women, according to the report. The findings reveal a deeply disturbing yet clear picture, quote-unquote, the attorney general said, describing the office as a toxic workplace. Um, the governor has previously denied the allegations of misconduct, and as Eric was saying, he's on television now continuing that, just, just denying it. Um, let's see. Democratic State Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins reiterated her prior calls for Cuomo to resign. It should be clear to everyone that he can no longer serve as governor. Uh, the attorney for two of the accusers said in a statement, Cuomo's misogyny and abuse cannot be denied. He's been doing this for years without any repercussions. He should not be in charge of our government and should not be in any position of power over anyone's state. Uh, attorney for one of the aides said Cuomo and other complicit staff must resign immediately. If he does not, the New York State Assembly must accept the attorney general's findings and begin taking appropriate steps to remove him from office. Uh, let's see, Mayor Bill de Blasio from New York urged the governor to resign. Uh, Cuomo has defended himself against the allegations. I never harassed anyone. I never assaulted anyone. I never abused anyone. I'm not going to resign, he had said before. President Joe Biden has previously said that Cuomo should resign if the allegations against him are confirmed by the investigation. Um, hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's pretty ugly there um, with regard to this. And again, you want to talk about you, you want to talk about how, again, a political career can just absolutely and, and totally and completely implode. This is this is you know a prime example of that because like I say Cuomo was viewed as perhaps presidential timber now not by a lot of us but people were thinking about that I, I'm not going to go into you know all the details but like I say it's a 175 page report that um, you know details all sorts of you know misbehavior. Um, allegations by one of the female members of his police protective detail that he ran his finger down her back and chest. Um, and it goes on and on. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's very ugly. And I guess, you know, Andrew Cuomo can deny all this and he can challenge the investigation. There is, there is an element though when, when you have numbers that, that's the sort of thing when you have it, look, if it was just, one woman coming forward or two women coming forward over, you know, a long period of time, you know, maybe you can question their credibility. But when you have this many people that are coming forward and are all essentially saying the same sort of thing, you, you do get into kind of a, a Bill Cosby sort of situation where it's it, it, it when there's this many people making these sort of allegations and the, the governor's biggest response is, well, no, I, I didn't harass anybody that, that's 
you got to believe me. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? It, it's kind of tough. I don't see how Cuomo survives, especially in today's Democratic Party. Even if he chooses not to resign and they don't begin impeachment proceedings against him or removal proceedings in New York, it would seem to me his political career is kind of toast because if if he chooses to run again, $2 million in the bank or not, it seems to me very unlikely that he gets out of a Democratic primary. And if he does somehow get out of a Democratic primary, it would seem like uh, the New York, uh, New York might suddenly become a red state. So I just don't see how he's going to survive this um, thing. I think his uh, career pretty much is over, and it's ended in a spectacular fashion. And he's taking the the approach: when you're wrong, be strong. And I'm going to deny all this stuff, but I think it's going to be tough. And I guess if Al Franken, the Democratic senator from Minnesota, could be forced to resign based on some boorish behavior that he engaged in ten years ago, it's difficult to see how Andrew Cuomo can survive boorish behavior that he engaged in in a repeated fashion over a series of years. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. All right, when we come back, what are you going to do? Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. I, I understand. See, I, I think, and I, we'll talk about this more a little bit later on the program, I, I think the CDC made a huge, huge mistake in in going back and changing their recommendations on vax, on, on mask mandates because of, you know, one incident that happened in Massachusetts. I, I think it's it sent messages, and instead of talking about vaccinations and the need for people to get vaccinated, which I, I believe, now we're having all these different arguments about, you know, mask rules. And, and we're, we're back to where we were months and, and months ago. You have Many workplaces that are saying, okay, we're going to require our employees vaccinated or not to wear, you know, masks. In some places, you've got the businesses that are saying to the customers, hey, if you're going to come in, we, we want you to wear masks. You have various cities that are wrestling with the idea of whether they should require masks or not. For example, New York City, they've decided that they're not going to require indoor mask mandates because they think they believe that they're going to be unenforceable and there'll be too much backlash. In San Francisco, they have now reinstated, you know, the local mask mandates. So it... We're now talking again about ma- masks instead of the, the concept of the need to get vaccinated. But as it stands now, there are the recommendations. And so, you know, people have to decide for themselves. Obviously, businesses have a right to put whatever rules they want to have in effect. At the same time, people get to respond accordingly. Now, over the last few days, I've gone into... My, my wife, thankfully, does most of the shopping because I'm, I'm not that much of a shopper. But, you know, I, I've, I've been out and about a little bit. And I would say, even though, even though where I typically go, masks are not required indoors, 
what I in stores, for example, what what I have seen is certainly there's an increase in the number of people wearing masks. Uh, you know, maybe if it was 15 percent two weeks ago, maybe it's 30 percent now. Maybe in some areas it's higher. But I'm just I'm kind of like spitballing and giving you a rough estimate of that. So people are making you know the decisions for themselves. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question to you: If Let's forget the government mask mandate. Right? Put that aside. If if a business tells you that in order to come in, in order to patronize our business, you need to put a mask back on, are you still going to patronize that business? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because some places are, are doing exactly that i mean it's we're we're going to be out at the state fair starting on on thursday i love the state fair state fair's got a mask mandate that is in place for interior areas if if you're open air outside which is where a large part of it is okay there's no mask requirement but if you go into the different buildings there's going to be a rule that you wear masks okay that's the rule they have businesses are doing this if it's mandatory all right, does that make you less likely to patronize the particular business? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, in my case, if, if it's something I, you know, I really want to do or a place I really want to go, well, I, I have masks that are in my back pocket and I can always pull one out. But I will tell you, um, I, would I not go to a place that I wanted to go to because of the mask mandate? No. But is it something that I'm particularly happy about? Well, I'm not happy about it either. 855-616-1620. And this comes from the perspective of somebody who is vaccinated. All right. Mask mandates at businesses. Is it going to make you more likely, less likely, or have no effect on whether you patronize the business or not? 855-616-1620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A couple of people texting me saying that the State Fair ha- has dropped its indoor mask requirement. Trying to verify that because as it stood a few days ago, that was what they were saying. Now maybe they've they've recommended them but not implemented it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Jackie in Sheboygan. Jackie, good afternoon. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I'm a pediatric infectious disease specialist, and honestly, I think we need both. We need masks. We need vaccines. Um, they, they, they're they kind of like, I like to describe them to people as seatbelts and airbags. Um, they work differently, but that doesn't mean that, that we need both. And they're both mitigation strategies. Just like seatbelts and airbags protect you from a crash, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get hurt. It just hopefully will mitigate that risk. Um, because masks block the virus in a different way than vaccines, they work in a different manner, just like seatbelts and airbags. But it doesn't mean that we don't need both. How long do you anticipate? How long do you anticipate that you're going to be wearing a mask? For a very long time. For a very for long. For a very time. long time. I mean, I wear a mask every day as it is for my yeah. job, but right. um, I I look at. So for, um, for I mean, for when you say a very long time, years. Potentially, 
Because I, I don't think COVID's, I mean, I, I don't think no. COVID's going away anytime soon. Oh, that's just it. COVID is not going anywhere. Um, it's not going to magically disappear like it magically appeared. It, it's not, that's not the case. It's here to stay. Mm-hmm. We have to mitigate the risk. And the only way that we're going to do that is by increasing the vac- vaccination status and people getting boosters every year. Um, that we're already talking about the 1A group um, becoming eligible for boosters. And I'm extremely excited to get one. <laughs> I really am. Um, but we need, we need both until we get that vaccination rate much, much farther up. Okay, thanks for call, Jackie. Okay, so Jackie's, Jackie's point is um, we, we need masks are going to be with us. And, I mean, if, if right now if we're around 55 or 60% nationwide with vaccines, I think, I mean, if I don't want to put words in her mouth, but we might be looking at, at wearing masks for years because I, I think that there's a hardcore number of people who just flat out aren't going to aren't going to get the vaccine. Now, I don't know if it's 20 percent or 25 percent or whatever, which means that we are going to be living with covid and we're going to be living with the various mutations. And and this is it's the Delta variant. But tomorrow it's going to be the echo variant. And after that, it's going to be the, you know, a gamma variant. We're going to be living with variants. So I guess the question is, are you willing to wear masks essentially for the foreseeable future? Six months, a year, two years, whatever. 855-616-1620. We continue the conversation in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. But there is some confusion about the Wisconsin State Fair. My, my understanding, and I'm, I'm looking at the most recent thing I can find from the fair, is that In accordance with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention's guidance, masks will be recommended indoors, but not required for both vendors and fairgoers. So recommended, but not required. Now, that's contrary to some of the stuff we saw a couple days ago, but that's the most recent information that I have. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, we are, as you might expect, being swamped with text. Let me give you sort of an, an indication. And, and it's I would say it's running about 60-40, 60% reflected in a couple of these sentiments. Jeff, any business with a mask requirement now, I will not spend my money there permanently. I've had enough. Why get vaccinated if you still have to wear a a mask. Um, Jeff, I like to consider myself a reasonable person, but these back-and-forth mask regulations are becoming absurd. Well, by the way, I agree with that. I think the CDC has has really missed the boat on a lot of stuff they've done. I'm vaccinated. I already had COVID, and I work predominantly alone and outdoors. That said, though, I'm reasonable. I'll wear one if I'm sick. If there's an outbreak during the winter months, which I believe will become the new season, um, are we also going to have a COVID season as well. So I, and so I'd say it's about 60, 40. No, we're not going to patronize businesses that mandate the mask, but, but 40% take the, the other, other side. All right. Troy in Door County. Troy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I would fall into that uh, category as if, uh, if I got it, if I go to Menards and I got to wear a mask, I'm going to Menards and I'm wearing a mask. Uh, I'm, I'm just really, there's a part of me that is frustrated with the people who aren't getting vaccinated. I know this isn't part of your talk show, but uh, a lot of that's coming down to that. There's a part of me that feels the Biden administration can't win because there are people for political reasons that are just not going to do it. Um, 
And lastly... Yeah, well, let me stop you there for a second. Let me stop you for a second there, Troy, because I I understand that some people want to politicize this, but at the same time, a lot of the people who aren't wearing masks aren't, aren't... aren't Republicans. I mean, it's if you look at the numbers, large numbers of people under the age of 30, large, you know, in, in urban America, large numbers of minority groups who aren't necessarily like the, the Republican base, they're not getting vaccinated either. So, I mean, I, I think to just, just sure. to say it's all politics, it's a bigger issue than that, I think. Right. It is. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be the people in charge of I I shouldn't but i use menards again i wouldn't want to be the people that got to make these decisions or any business because they're just going to continue to be scrutinized for whatever way you know they they make that call but what i what one point i would like to make jeff is uh, i would i'm a, a follower of uh, nightly news and i sure wish they would not interview and show people sitting in their hospital bed anymore saying oh i wish i would have took the vaccine three or four months ago because you know what that's you, you know you make your bed you sleep in folks mm-hmm. so um with with that I'm, I'm i'm supporting the businesses and hopefully we have more people that can get the vaccine and we can get this thing under control because otherwise it, it there's a lot of gloom out there so right. do you think so oh, oh thanks for going. okay I, I i appreciate it i just i wonder see and, and this is where i think the cdc has, has screwed up big time and it, it's been the, the various mixed messages that they sent out and matter of fact there's there's a whole series of stories out about the, the cdc doing its its backflip and and reversing its position on on masks and there, there's some question about you know what the science really is and they, they, they focused on like one instance that happened in in massachusetts and where there was a high level of reinfections but it really hasn't been peer-reviewed and i i think Candidly, I think a lot of the conversation about masks, and this is one of the reasons where I think the CDC went wrong, I think a lot of the conversation about masks has really caused people to take their eye off the ball. And by that I mean, look, I, I agree, we need to figure out ways to get more people vaccinated. But one of the implications of, okay, if you're vaccinated, all right, um, well, you, you still need to, to wear a mask. And then, so then the, the logical question in many people's minds becomes, well, well, wait a second. I, I got vaccinated because I was told that I, I'm not likely to get sick. And they still describe it as rare for somebody who's been vaccinated to get sick. And if you are vaccinated, and even if you do have COVID, that get COVID again, be one of those breakthrough things, that the chances are that you are, you're, 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 it's going to be very mild. That that's and your your chances of being hospitalized and or dying are, are kind of like dying from a bee sting. I mean that's just kind of the reality. So then the question becomes: All right, if we're telling people that they're vaccinated because they they have to wear a mask, and the idea is because they can infect other people, you better have some really really compelling evidence indicating that. And I think as a lot of people are looking at this decision the CDC made, there, there's not necessarily that much compelling evidence they're they're looking at one little isolated thing that happened and by having this conversation about masks we're back where we were months ago and it's taking the eye off again figuring out how we can convince more people to get vaccinated but by doing what they've done that by at least by implication some people look at this and say okay well why should i get vaccinated if they're telling me that i'm not really going to be protected and i can still be infected that's 
that's a bad way to try to reach that 30% or 35% of the population that's still, for whatever reason, reluctant to get vaccinated. And I, and I think the CDC, by sending the mixed messages, has really hurt its own cause. Now, I, I understand science changes. Okay, I, I get it. And that's why, you know, our knowledge of this disease and other diseases evolves constantly. It's just right now, if you look at what a lot of the experts are saying, that this quick jump back to masks may or may not be supported by science. But it was kind of a knee-jerk reaction by the CDC, which I think has, has again, made it more difficult to move towards getting more and more people vaccinated, which, by the way, I am very much in favor of. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, As someone who is vaccinated, um, it depends on the activity. Like if it's visiting a family member in a hospital, I'll, I'll wear a mask. If it's like grocery shopping where I don't have to be in there for very long, I'll wear a mask. But like yesterday, I went to go see a movie. And if I would have gotten to the theater and they would have said, hey, you have to wear a mask, I probably would have held off and I probably wouldn't have gone. Because it just you didn't want to sit for two hours um, or two and two and a half hours with the mask on. Yeah, if I don't have if I don't have to do it, I don't want to do it for an extended period of time. I'm not going to fault the place for doing it, but I'll probably just like catch it on video or something. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for call. I mean, again, I think. I, and, and there's always situations. Somebody sent me a text saying, well, you know, I, I my my grandchildren, I, I'm around my grandchildren and they're not vaccinated. So even though I'm fully vaccinated, I'll wear a mask in the event that I, I've somehow gotten this breakthrough thing and I don't want to give it to them. And I, and I get it. There's going to be those individual situations where it, it's clearly people are going to make that individual choice. Now, at the same time, the the. When you look at the incidence of COVID, it, it typically does not hit children under the age of 12 and certainly does not hit them severely. But if you want to wear a mask and it makes you feel more comfortable, that's fine. As I've been saying since this whole thing started, I, I think we're seeing a, a sea change. I, I believe that there's going to be some people who are going to make the decision covid or not, that they're going to wear masks for the rest of their lives when they're indoors. I mean, you used to see that when you'd go to Las Vegas and you could see people from Asia who'd be walking around because it's commonplace in Asia. I don't think it's going to become commonplace in the United States, but I do think that's going to be a certain percentage of people that are going to wear masks inside for the rest of their life. But this, again, I think the CDC has made a huge mistake by these various flip-flops that may or may not be explained by evidence. And every time they make one of these flip-flops and they try to say, well, the science is changing. Well, yeah, I understand that the science changes. But if you do it in a knee-jerk reaction based on like one particular study, what you find is you undermine people's reliance in in what you're saying because they wonder whether you've gotten it right in the first place. For me, I I mean, I'll I'll, I'll wear, if I really want to go to the place, I'll wear a mask if they say I'm supposed to wear a mask to go into the place. But at the same time, I, I got to acknowledge, as somebody who is vaccinated, who has done all the right stuff, I, I the idea of taking two or three steps backwards because some other people choose not to, it's a tough pill to swallow. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It is unfortunate, but things don't always have a a happy ending. 
Uh, yesterday, I think a lot of people who are sports fans were surprised by the announcement that the Brewers were bringing back relief pitcher John Axford. Axford was a, you know, I think he's still the, the all-time save leader for the Brewers, had a great five-year career, but left Milwaukee, I want to say in 2013, and, and went on to pitch for a couple other teams. He'd been out of baseball for the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, he started uh, this season as a TV analyst for the Toronto Blue Jays. But he'd been trying to work himself back in shape. He's 38 years old. And he'd been working out. And, and ultimately, he tried out for Team Canada. He lives in Canada. He tried out for Team Canada. And what happened is a couple you know, baseball teams, and everybody's always desperate to, fry, to try to find relief pitchers. And they were looking at Axford. They were watching him as he was like trying out for Team Canada. And they thought, hey, maybe, maybe he can add something. So he signed this deal with Toronto and has had a couple minor league appearances, minor games, you know, this year. And what happened was the Brewers, who, uh, again, are looking for anybody who can help, and they're in a bad situation right now because their all-star closer, Josh Hader, you know, he's, he's out for 10 days in the COVID protocol. They've got two other relief pitchers who are out for 10 days. They've got another one who's out for seven days, all in this kind of COVID protocol, so that they need bodies. So, even though the trade deadline has passed, the Brewers were able to essentially buy the contract of John Axford because he was in the minor he was in the minor leagues, and so that they brought him in, came to Milwaukee yesterday, and it, it's really this ultimate feel good story. Here you have this guy who just had you know started his career here, had a great career here, and now you've got the Brewers who, like I say, are, are a serious contender to make the World Series. I understand you got to go through Los Angeles, but but still they're a serious contender, and it's a great feel good story. John Axford is back, etc. Well, okay, yesterday. The Brewers are playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're ahead six to nothing. It's the ninth inning. And so they, they bring in John Axford to, and again, the crowd goes wild. It's just tremendous. And he kind of, well, first of all, it starts out badly. He hits a guy, gets one out, then gives up a couple more singles, then walks in a run. And then his next two pitches aren't even close to, to the plate. And they, they pull him out. Apparently he's, he's hurt. They, there's no announcement yet, at least when I last checked right before the show. He apparently had injured his elbow, and he's having an MRI, which is, is just like if you're Andrew Cuomo, you never want to see the headline saying, Kinky Cuomo, you know, implicated by 11 women in sexual harassment. If you're a Major League Baseball pitcher, you never want to see the headline pulled from the game with uh, elbow pain has to have an MRI. So um, you, you don't. You don't know if this is the end for John Axford, but for for everybody, including myself, who is really rooting for this guy. Hey, th- this is great! You bring him back, and you know maybe you know maybe you can find something left in the tank. It was a great potential feel good story, and unfortunately, didn't end very well last night. That's not saying it's necessarily the end of John Axford's career, but again, when you're 38 years old and you uh, leave the game and elbow pain and MRI. You you wonder whether that's pretty much ended his season after only being able to pitch a third of an inning. Hope you're wrong. Hope he's able to recover. Hope he's able to come back because everybody, I think, was pulling for this great, hey, this is going to be super. It's going to be a Rudy sort of situation. You know, the underdog comes in and, and, and look, he's able to contribute and he's back where it all started. I, unfortunately, real life doesn't always work out that way. And this is Jeff Wagner coming up in 10 minutes. 
Does Wauwatosa really hate beggars? I will tell you the story, and we will discuss. Before that, you know, Keith Olbermann, remember he used to be on ESPN, and then he had his own show, I think, on MSNBC, and sort of a kind of a crazy lefty, but but crazy in a in sort of a good way because you just never knew where Keith Olbermann was going to go off on. It was always it was sort of fun to watch because you knew there was going to be an implosion somewhere, but you just, you just never knew exactly what it was going to be. Well, he used to do this feature about the the we call it the worst person, the worst person in the world, you know, and he'd have a different person every day. Well, with apologies to Keith Olbermann, I've got I've got my worst person in the United States today. The woman's name is Kate. Coin McCoy, and you probably have never heard of her, at least before this. She is the chief strategist of the Rhode Island Democratic Party. And, you know, she's not the party chair, but she was brought in. She's apparently extremely progressive, one of these uber lefties that, that's out there. And, and she was brought in to kind of drive the party to the left, and we're going to win these elections and things like that. Okay, so why is she the worst person in the world today? Well, it's easy. Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, who is a U.S. senator. And, and by the way, Lindsey Graham is pretty much universally liked in politics. If you talk to Scott Walker and you ask him about the, the presidential run in 2015 and 2016, and you say, who did you who did you like on the campaign trail? He says, actually, Lindsey Graham was a lot of Lindsey Graham was a nice guy. He was fun to be with. And I understand, you know, your, your politics might not be his, but everybody pretty much respects Lindsey Graham and they like Lindsey Graham. Well, the story is that Lindsey Graham, who, by the way, has been fully vaccinated came down with flu-like symptoms on Sunday. And on Monday, you know, he went in to the house physician and he tested positive for COVID. Now, he's one of those breakthrough cases. Symptoms are, are mild, so they're not worried about hospitalizing or anything like that. It, it's it's mild. He says, hey, I'm glad I was vaccinated. He's been pushing vaccinations since vaccinations were available. Well, into this mix comes the worst person in the United States today, Kate Coyne McCoy, again, strategist for the Rhode Island Democratic Party. She takes to Twitter after the word comes out that Lindsey Graham has tested positive as a breakthrough case for COVID. Her tweet is, quote, it's wrong to hope he dies from COVID, right? Asking for a friend. It's wrong to hope he dies from COVID, right? Asking for a friend. In other words, Let's mock the fact that this guy who has, by the way, been touting vaccinations, he's gotten sick and oh, it's it's wrong to hope he dies. Right. I'm just asking what a terrible thing and what a terrible person that that's your, your thought that you think something like that is cute. So in any event, um, again, Keith Olbermann, if he was still doing the show and was still looking to find the worst person in the United States today, I think it's pretty clear it's this lady out of Rhode Island. Hope she's very proud of herself. When we come back, does Wauwatosa really hate beggars? I'll explain. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, ready to hang out at the happiest place, at least in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin State Fair? <laughs> I get to hang out with you for you, over a week. Ab- absolutely. So, um, the Wisconsin State Fair. Now, tomorrow morning, we're, we're doing our cream puff a palooza thing, and so I'm supposed to be out there at 530 in the morning. Can you so. bring me back one? 
Yeah, okay, absolutely. I, I, I'm sure we might be. We'll, we'll bring you back one, and then. But then the the real thing starts on Thursday. Now it's a little bit different this year. State fair opens at eleven, so as opposed to like normally like eight o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. But um, we will have both my show and and Wisconsin's Afternoon News, your show, we'll uh, originating. But you're going to be keeping me company. So if you are coming out to the state fair, stop off by our broadcast facility we call it the fishbowl and you can wave from the outside and you can see what i look like and although most people know what i look like after all these years um or see what melissa looks like you're more of an enigma maybe you haven't I been am. here quite as yeah, long people yeah people maybe don't know what i look like so. absolutely so and, and you're going to be roaming the fairgrounds as well looking for stories and things like that yeah thursday morning i'm going to be going out there before it opens up i'm going to be talking to a lot of people going to some of the exhibits just kind of see what's going on what it looks like this year because it is a little bit different and then i'll be bringing reports back um, to the show and to the morning show as well. I'll always be curious. I will be curious. I mean, of course, the state fair did not occur last year because of, of COVID, and I, I'm going to I'm going to be curious. My, my see, my my gut tells me people are ready to go back in into the, these activities. I mean, you saw that with the attendance that's increasing at baseball games. You saw it with everything that happened at the Deer District. So I I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty big state fair. I keep thinking it's going to be big, and I keep thinking it'll kind of give people an idea of what Summerfest will be like on the Summerfest grounds, you know, crowds of people just uh, in in ways of, are people ready to get back out? You, we'll, we'll find out. You know, you, you raise, oh, okay, see, I, I have a lot of friends at Summerfest. To me, I, I, I like them both, and I like them both in, in different ways. Summerfest is you go for the music, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand if Don Smiley's listening. I mean, I understand that there's other stuff that you can do along the lakefront, but it is primarily, well, it's built. It's the world's largest music festival. So you're going there, and the idea is you, you get a beer, and you get some food, and you go from stage to stage, and you look for music. And mm-hmm. right, I, I understand they've got a kid's play area, and they've got other stuff to do, but primarily you're going for the music. State fair, now, I like I mean, I like the like the different venues they have with the cover bands and yeah. stuff, and they've got lots of music. But State Fair, kind of a different experience because you've got the Midway and you've got the giant slide and you've got the pig races and you've got the animals and then you've got the um, um, well, we're on the radio, so I'll say the stuff barn, you know, that the big facility where you just walk up oh, and down, the, the big right? exhibit hall. Because yeah. I tell you, if I wasn't if if I wasn't a lawyer and a radio talk show host, I I I, I could be one of those carnies. I'd be one of the guys <laughs> oh, selling no, the, the slicer and dicer things, you know. Area. Oh, but, the mops. Yeah. Well, well, like, well, the mops absolutely, <laughs> and, and it's it's always fun to me because every year there's there's some big quote unquote it product. And and you can always tell after a couple of days because I'll be sitting in the booth and you'll see people walking by and mm-hmm. you're right some some years it's the the super chamois you know and some years it's <laughs> yeah. but I I love. I love watching these different presentations. You know, you kind of walk through the stuff barn, and there's the guy that's got the blender, and he takes like three onions and a radish and some milk and you know some Pepsi Cola, and you turn it into a strawberry milkshake. And it's just you, just, you go, gosh, how did that? How did that happen? How did that happen? And I have to have that. And then you get it home, and you can't figure out how to work it. So the one thing I look forward to every year are the brownies. But this year, there's not going to be brownies. There's no brownies. There's no brownies. Why are there no brownies? That's, I had to do with um, workers. Oh really? I read there's no brownies, so I'm I'm a little disappointed with that. <laughs> Those huh. are my favorite. The, the, the brownies, yeah. even above and beyond the cream puffs. Well, I like the right, brownies. The, the cream puffs. I um, I like the ice cream. You know, you go into the Wisconsin yeah. Products Pavilion, and the, the kids have the 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 dishes of ice cream that there are very reasonable. Mm-hmm. I will also tell you, 
I, I've see I've just been going out to the fair for twenty some years now. You know, working there, you you kind of get your way around. Uh, one of the best deals is also in the Wisconsin Products Building. They they do an omelet, and it's Ooh, yeah. it, it's that would be when I would get there before the the show would start. I'd, I'd go and I'd get I'd get an omelet, and then I'd go and get the uh, baked potato, and you could you could turn that into a really good breakfast. And, and you stuff. know that's farm fresh. Oh, absolutely. So that's good. Absolutely. Yeah, good so stuff. Melissa will be there. That is reason enough to come out to the State Fair <laughs> no, to say hi to that. Melissa. No, but, no. you know, we'll, <laughs> we, we will be out there. It's, um, I think, like I said, I think I'm there most weekdays of the fair. That second Thursday, there's an early baseball game, so I don't think I'll be there then. But otherwise, I'm there. Stop off, wave, say hi. We always enjoy the opportunity to do that. Okay. Do they hate beggars in Wauwatosa? If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that one of the things that gets me on my soapbox is the fact that we allow panhandlers, bums, use whatever term you want, we allow people to stand in the streets and beg money from cars. And, you know, there's all sorts of examples. I, I know, you know, if you think back around the city, you there's the area... If you get off the freeway and you go over the bridge to get to Canal Street to go to Potawatomi, that, that's always an area where, where panhandlers hang out. Right down the street from where I'm sitting, if you get off the freeway on Capitol Drive, um, there are, there are panhandlers that position themselves in the intersection. There are panhandlers that, that sit on the medians. And when cars are getting off the freeway, what they will do, they're, they're very aggressive. They will walk into traffic. And if you've got like two lanes, for example, of traffic that are getting off the freeway, they'll walk between the two lanes, you know, going car to car, hoping somebody's going to give them change. It is a miracle that, in my opinion, more accidents don't occur, although there are collisions that do occur, because what happens is you're getting off the freeway, you don't anticipate to see somebody walking in traffic, you don't also anticipate that the car in front of you is going to suddenly stop because they feel compelled to give 50 cents to the guy that's begging money, and so you have rear-end accidents. Well, Wauwatosa has decided to do something about that. The Community Affairs Committee of the Common Council has unanimously passed an ordinance, and it's going to be up for vote, I think it's tonight, might be next Tuesday, but I think it's tonight. The ordinance would limit people from approaching vehicles when in use or staying upon medians for purposes other than crossing a street. The ordinance is designed to decrease the safety hazards by restricting the activity. All right, um, apparently police have received nearly 400 panhandler complaints in Tosa since 2018. A 24-year-old woman was recently hit by a car while asking for money near Mayfair Mall. This ordinance applies to 12 of the busiest streets in the city, including North Avenue, Blue Mound Road, and Harwood Avenue. The ordinance says nobody can stand on medians in the streets listed unless the person is in the process of crossing the highway in a safety zone or crosswalk. Ordinance also says that drivers... Um, are not allowed to stop, leave, park, or decrease the speed of their vehicle for the purpose of responding to persons who are begging money. Fine for violators ranges from 25 to 50 bucks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So in other words, what they're doing in Wauwatosa is they're picking the, the 12 busiest intersections in Wauwatosa, and they're saying, 
You can't stand on the median strip, can't loiter on the median strip, and you can't loiter in the crosswalks. you got to cross the, the street. And the idea is, you, you, you know, you, you can't be there to beg money. Um, you can beg money in other places, but this idea of trying to flag down traffic or be in the roadways to beg money, not going to allow people to do it. It unanimously passed the Wauwatosa Community Affairs Committee, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I believe this should be unanimously adopted by the Common Council. This is a dangerous practice. And having people beg money in the streets is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for people getting hit in their cars. It's a recipe for the panhandlers being hit. There's no reason at all why people should be panhandling in the middle of a street. We don't let people just wander up and down streets in busy intersections um, when they're not begging for money, why should begging for money be an exception? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And believe me, I, I don't I don't consider myself to be a heartless, uncharitable person. Give money to food banks. Give money to homeless shelters. Donate money to soup kitchens. Donate money to your church to, to help the poor. That's not the issue. It's giving people change on the streets, standing in intersections, which... We cannot allow to happen. It's not good for anybody. At least that's how I see it. We discuss in a minute. 855-616-1620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Dave in Appleton. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I just, uh, I was the uh, former chairman for the Town of Grand Chute, and uh, we had a serious problem up here years ago with panhandlers, and uh, we addressed the problem similar to the way uh, Wauwatosa is trying to do it now. We passed an ordinance that said uh, you were not allowed to stand on a median right. for more than two traffic light, traffic light changes. And uh, when they can't stand on a median, just to let you know this, that gives them the wrong side of the car to get their money. And uh, they get very little money on the, when they're standing on the side of the road. So at any rate... Uh, uh, they got reported a few times, and I do believe that they have a social network that they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we have literally no panhandlers left in the town of Gramsci. Really? So it worked? Yes, it did. And I had a sign myself. I called you about a year ago. I had a sign myself. I did stand out 50 or 60 feet away from the panhandlers, and my sign read, Beware, some panhandlers are fraudulent. Well, yeah, that's the... Yeah, no, Dave, thanks. Right. I mean, that, that's the thing. Matter of fact, that, that ties in the point you were just making to a text I have here. Jeff, on Blue Mound Road, just east of the zoo, the panhandlers are there all the time. I have watched panhandlers get out of a nice, I have watched a panhandler get out of a nice car, kiss his pregnant girlfriend or wife. She drives off. He puts on a dirty shirt, drinking a Mountain Dew, smoking a Marlboro. I don't believe he's broke. When I pointed out the help wanted sign to him at the restaurant, he walked away from me. See, that, that's, that's the other thing that's out there. And again, that, that's why I and I, the city of Milwaukee does this as well, discourage people from giving money to panhandlers. It's not saying don't be charitable. If you, I mean, you want to be charitable, but you, you never know what's going on. You know, you, you never know. And it might be somebody that's really down on their luck. It might be somebody who's, hey, just decided that this is a way that you can make more dough that you don't pay tax on than if you actually have to go and bust tables or wash dishes or do something um, else for for a living. But I mean, 
for me, it's like in, instead of giving money to the again to the panhandler, give it to the soup kitchen. But that's that's not really the purpose of this. Panhandling on these medians and in streets is dangerous. It's dangerous to drivers. It's dangerous to pedestrians. It's dangerous to the panhandlers. Now, the key to this, and, and that's what Dave was kind of alluding to, the key to this is it's not just enough to pass it. You, you've got to enforce it. I mean, you've got to make a commitment that, okay, once this ordinance goes into effect, we're, we're going to, we're going to hassle the, the panhandlers. We're, we're not going to allow them, we're, we're not going to allow them to just get away with this. And, and, you know, you, you, and then you got to support the police when they do that. But, cause otherwise just to pass this ordinance and then just not enforce it makes no sense. But people are going to die if you don't do this. Like they said, you know, woman who's, panhandling by Mayfair Mall on North Avenue, and that's one of the big areas. You know, she gets hit by a car. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more. My guess is there are a lot more automobile accidents as a result of panhandlers where somebody stops or doesn't go at the light or, or whatever than, than actually get reported. Let's talk to Holly in Kenosha. Holly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thank you. Hi, Jeff. Thank Hi. you so much for taking my call yes, as ma'am. always. This needs to be enacted by the Wauwatosa Common Council. In the 1980s, uh, I'm originally from Chicago suburbs. We had, and I'm sure you've heard of them, the Lions Club, a very reputable organization, but in the form of handling back then in the day, I was driving at a traffic light, got my window down, guy comes up, he's looking for a donation. I wrote a letter to our, my local hometown newspaper in the 1980s saying this practice must be stopped because it is dangerous for the motorists. Right. It is dangerous for the Lions Club, dangerous for the pedestrians. That's the same thing now we got the beggars, okay? No. Welcome to the 21st century. But I mean, it's the same thing. Oh. This got to be stopped. Right before right. people get hurt. No, Holly, thanks. Thanks to call. And, and yes, and, and I understand what this means is that, you know, over Labor Day weekend, when you have the firemen who want to, you know, come out and they want to raise money for Jerry's kids or muscular dystrophy or whatever that is with the boot, they're, they're not going to be able to stand on the median strip either. And they're not going to be able to flag down cars. And, and I guess in some respects, that's unfortunate, but you got to apply this whole thing across the board. They're just going to have to figure out some other place to set up. This ordinance doesn't prohibit people from panhandling in Wauwatosa. There will still be all sorts of other places that you can go to beg money. But it does say you can't do it at intersections. You you can't sit in the median strip outside of Mayfair Shopping Center and and you know and do this. Um Jeff Here's the problem. There's a text and does raise the issue I was just alluding to. My concern is this will never be enforced in Wauwatosa. Panhandlers on Highway 100 and Blue Mound are there every day. They are aggressive. They leave garbage on the median strip. Hopefully it will be enforced, but I'm not holding my breath. Well, okay. Well, that's the, you know, that's the, you know, that's the deal. Um, you know that that's the deal that are that's out there. You've got to be willing to be aggressive and, and deal with this. So if you're going to pass it, that then you have to enforce it. And I understand you know, some people are saying, well, the, the panhandlers don't have any money. You know, well, maybe they do and, and maybe they don't. But at the very least, if you're aggressively enforcing this, and the cops are coming up and they're giving tickets and they're telling people that they have to move along, and if people don't move along, well, then you know, then you end up ratcheting up enforcement and things like that. But the bottom line is you've got to take control of the streets, and this is an easy way to do it. Wauwatosa 
needs to do this. Like I say, the committee passed this unanimously. This is an easy one. This is an easy one. Common Council should adopt it unanimously because you're not doing anybody a favor, not the citizens, not the people driving through Wauwatosa, and you're not even doing the panhandlers a favor either because they're putting their lives at risk to get some change. There's got to be better ways to do it. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, I drove to Rockford, Illinois last week. There was a group with the same shirts on asking for money on a busy street. I thought they were all going to get run over. It looked like an organized group to me. Yeah, you never know what they're asking for money. I, I'm i trying to remember where I saw this. It might have been Las Vegas. But, you know, where it, it was some street where there's lots of there's lots of people that are begging money. And the guy, I think it was Vegas on the strip, but I, I could be wrong. But the guy was sitting there and he had his hat out or his tin cup or whatever it was. And he had a sign said, who's kidding who? I want beer. <laughs> Which I, I just, I thought, I thought, okay. At Thanks least, for being honest. Right, exactly. You know, and, it, and I didn't give the guy any money. But at least it was, okay, you know, stop. You don't have to have the, stop, stop with the scam stuff. All right, you, you, you want money for beer. I at least understand that as opposed to let, let's kind of pretend that this is going for, for other stuff. And I don't mean to be cruel and heartless. And I always say, look, do, donate money to charities. Give the dough to a food bank. Give the dough to, uh, again, a homeless shelter. Give the dough to a soup kitchen. Give the dough to your church that helps out. It's not a question of not helping the less fortunate. It's a question about giving people money on the street. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you are a regular listener, you you know this. I love my dog. I love my wife. I love my friends. I love my life. But what did I say first? Did I say I love my dog? Well, I actually, you know, my <laughs> my wife will always say, "Gee, I'm not sure." You know, who I'm not sure who would come first. Well, she comes first. But but Sasha, my little six pound Pomeranian pup, well, she's she's a big part of my life, and so I I, I am like many many dog lovers and, and pet owners that it's especially since I never had kids. So I mean, it, it's kind of like my she's kind of like my my kid, and. She is a wonderfully behaved dog. She trained very, very quickly. We never have accidents in the house or anything like that. She's got a wonderful disposition. She doesn't bite. She's just tremendous to be around. She's just a real pleasure. But nobody's perfect. Well, maybe my wife is perfect, but I'm, but I'm, I'm certainly not perfect. And Sasha does have this one little issue, and that is that um, she's a little dog, but she doesn't realize she's a little dog, and, and she barks at other dogs. And it, it, we, we've done a better job of getting under control, but if you're out there taking her for a walk, she will be inclined to, to bark at, at other dogs. In addition, um, when we like open the windows and open the door at our house, uh, looking outside is kind of like well, it's kind of like watching TV for her. And if she sees somebody walking by with a dog, she'll she will bark. And so we've been working on it and trying for positive reinforcement. But there, there's some limits on this. Now, thankfully, she doesn't do it when we're not home, so you don't get these notes from the neighbors saying the dog barked for for hours and hours. But we're, we're trying to get her to not bark. And we've tried to use positive reinforcement to do that. And it goes, I'd like to say we're making progress. And I think we are. But 
I was thinking about this because we, we've been having this, this ongoing discussion. There are friends and relatives of mine who have dogs, and they have trained their dogs by going out and getting these, they, they call them e-collars. And there, there's a story about this in the Wall Street Journal. The, these collars, essentially, you put them around the dog, and you can set them to different things. You can set them to buzz. You can set them to vibrate. Or you can set them for a mild electric shock. And so the idea is you, you start with buzzing and you put it around the dog's and the dog barks and you, you hit the thing and you buzz it and the dog, it, it convinces the dog hopefully to stop or vibrate or, you know, um, the, the mild electric shock. Now I say mild because I was over at my son-in-law's house, and you know the, he'd used one of the dog collars to train one of his hunting dogs, and he had one. And I said, "I'm just kind of curious here. I'm gonna, I want to put this on my hand. I, I want you to shock me. I want to feel what it's like." And he said, "Really, Jeff?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah. Put it, put it on there." And and it it, I mean, I'm not saying it like electrocuted me, but it 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 got my attention. And I was sitting there thinking, I just don't. I I could never shock my dog. I just I just couldn't. Do it now. You know, we're, so we've been having we we have one. We've never put it on her, and you know, Fran and I have this ongoing conversation about you know should we do this and that not the shock part, but the vibrate or the the buzz or something like that. Well, okay, I'm preparing the show, and I think it's in this morning or yesterday's Wall Street Journal. Here's the story: I'm disciplining my dog, not torturing her. The sticky note on my door jam did us in. Your dog has been barking since 10.55 a.m. I can hear it through the walls. My wife and I had taken a short trip to the grocery store and left our Irish setter, Charlie, alone in her cage. She barked wildly in our absence. Charlie's bad behavior has added a lot of stress to our lives. By the time the note appeared, we were sick of being pulled down the street during walks and barked at during video calls. Dogs are fun to have and dote on, but we weren't enjoying ours much, especially because we felt we couldn't leave her alone. So we went nuclear. We bought a prong collar and an e-collar, considered forbidden tools by most dog trainers and pet lovers. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals description of the prong collar captures the popular sentiment. Prong collars are designed to punish dogs for pulling um, by inflicting pain and discomfort. Um, This is collars that you wear that if you're walking and the dog pulls, it tightens around their neck. I, I don't have a problem with that. The popular view of the e-collar, which can beep, vibrate, and administer a small shock to correct misbehavior, is summed up in a headline on PETA's website. E-collars, training tool or torture device. The column says, guess which side PETA falls on. We haven't used the shock collar yet. We set it to beep once and vibrate gently when Charlie barks, and that seems to have done the trick. The vibration grabs her attention and provides an emotional reset, but if she starts to ignore that correction, we can always try the low-level shock. For most dog trainers these days, the only acceptable way to train a dog is through positive reinforcement. Reward the dog for good behavior through treats, etc., etc., um, in theory, it sounds nice and humane. In practice, it is a slow method. Estimates for a well-behaved dog using this method run about 18 months. Halfway there, I realized I didn't have the patience. And despite the guilt I felt at resorting to quote-unquote torture, the reduction from stress from having a quiet, easy-to-walk dog has been worth it. Okay, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My guess is perhaps... You have faced exactly, you know, this, this situation. We all love our pets, particularly we, we love, 
We love our, our dogs. And every once in a while, you get the dog that, well, okay, in this case, I mean, look, I, I have worse habits than Sasha. But, I mean, she, she will bark at, at other dogs. And we try all sorts of stuff, and she's getting better. I have resisted using, again, that, that e-collar, even setting it on vibrate and setting it on beeping or whatever, because... Well, I just, just cause. <laughs> Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, is this cruel treatment? Is it torture? Or is it just a clean, effective way to train a dog to get the dog to stop barking? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, are we being cruel if we use e-collars? And I, I for, forget about the, the prong thing that kind of chokes the dog if they pull. I don't, I don't have an opinion on that one way or the other because I don't have that issue. I do have the issue with trying to control barking at other dogs. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I know my producer, Gru, would love to have one of those collars, those e-collars to put on me. Jeff, you're late for the break. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you're late for the break. Mm-hmm. Jeff, it's time to read that commercial. Get back into the studio. Mm-hmm. Love to have one of those. Um, but we, we don't put, you know, we, we don't put shock collars on humans. I, is it wrong? And again, I, th- these are, these are the e-collars. I, I would never shock the dog. I, I wouldn't. But, the, the idea of, I mean, is it cruel treatment to put the collar on and the dog barks and you buzz them or the dog barks and you send this vibration to get their attention to let them know that this is not acceptable behavior? I wrestle with this. 855-616-1620. Uh, Tom in Watertown. Tom, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. See, I got a sport dog collar and I got a Siberian Husky. It's, it's a really good dog. Uh, it's a house dog. But I'll tell you, when you're outside, and I live out in the country, and, and sometimes, sometimes the dog, I'll just turn around, and that dog will be taken off down the driveway and down the road. And I'll, uh, I, I shock them to bring them back because the beeper don't work. Right. It, it works, but it doesn't bring them back. But if I shock them on a low voltage, like a four, he comes running back, and for like two months he'll stay in the yard. But after two months, he's back to the collar again because... It's like he wants to take off. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's in heat or what, but he wants to take off and run down the road again. So, well, yeah, and your I concern, of course, miracles. is you, your concern is you don't want the dog running away. You don't want the dog getting hit by a car or something like that. You're just you're trying to correct this this bad behavior, and it, maybe it's kind of like the the kid that's reaching for the hot stove, and you grab the kid's hand and you slap the hand because you know you're going to get burned if you touch that hot stove. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Yeah, no, thanks for call. I appreciate it. Again, Mike Dog's a little dog, so I mean, I, 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 under no circumstances do I think I would, I would ever shock her. But I do wrestle with the idea of, okay, is, is the, the vibration or the buzz something that would get their attention? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I've been around hunting dogs my whole life. We used pinch collars, which is the proper name for the so-called prong collar and e collars. Used properly, um, they are not cruel and will shortly be unneeded. My last dog had only to be mildly shocked twice for the next 12 years only vibration was needed for him to behave perfectly as to stopping barking um shopping that uh shocking to stop that runs the risk of turning the dog mean yeah and that's that's the other thing jeff maybe we should start using these collars for bad behavior in humans well the, the difference is of course 
you know, you know, humans and, and dogs are, are different. And, you know, you, you can't, in, in some cases, you know, with, with the child, for example, you can explain to them, don't touch the hot, hot stove because it's going to hurt you. And, and maybe at some point in time, they're going to figure that out. Dogs, it's tougher to say, look, you, you can't, you can't keep barking at the, at, at all the neighborhood dogs. And, and, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, I mean, she's trying to do whatever she's trying to do. I, I appreciate that. Like I say, she, she's getting better. But but we're we're wrestling with this. But I was intrigued by this idea that, you know, PETA thinks these collars are, are torture devices. And even though I'm a little bit hesitant to use it, I've never really thought of it as being a torture device. Let's talk to uh, Dave in Germantown. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Good. Well, I've used e-collars on my dogs. I'm 51 years old. I've had them, Tritronics, Sport Dogs. Um, all that for years on my hunting dogs. And I'll tell you what, the right tool at the right time, it prevents the dog from running away, getting hit by a car. Um, my wife has an Australian sheep dog. And I'll tell you what, if you know when to use it and how to use it, my dogs get excited when they see those collars come out. They don't run from me. Right. They, they're like, oh, it's fun time. We're going to have a good time now. Put them on it and... Yeah, I buzz them now more than anything, but when it first starts out, you got to give them a little TLC tap, a little long-distance email. It happens, you know, but it, I've used it on myself. Have you tried it on yourself yet? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I had I had my son-in-law. I had one of the shock collars that he had used. I had it in my hand. I said, here, zap me. And he says, really? I said, yeah, no, I want to know what it's like. And it, it got my attention. I mean, <laughs> it got my attention. There's no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 I, it does, yeah, yeah, yes, Dave, I am that moron who said, yes, go ahead, Darren, you know, sh- sh- t- give me, give me the shot. We'll just set it at two, but I want to feel I've what it's it. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I've done it. Uh, yeah. I wanted to know what I was putting my dogs through. Well, yeah, that, that was the, you know, thanks for calling. That, that's the, that, that, I was curious about that. And I, you know, and again, and I, I, I just, I got a little dog, so I wouldn't have done that. But I mean, the, the vibration or the, the beeping, I, it, I, I'm hoping I can correct it otherwise, but I guess I, I was really, like I said, I was intrigued by this story that suggested that it was that was torture. Okay, now here's a different perspective we got from one of our texters. Jeff, the dog is not putting the owner in a stressful situation. And they, I think they're referring to the story in the Wall Street Journal where the lady's saying, hey, the, it's really the stressful thing because the dog barks and barks and barks, and we can't leave the dog alone because all she does is bark all day and the neighbors complain. The dog is not putting the owner in a stressful situation. No one is forced to own a dog. Owners shouldn't resort to physically punishing a dog for causing inconvenience in their life. That's what the texture says. I... I guess I, I mean I, I disagree. I, you have to you have to train children. You you have to train pets. I mean I, I don't think we, you just don't let kids run run wild. I mean what you have to do is you have to try to teach them as best you can in a you know what what is appropriate behavior. And I, I guess I mean I think from the perspective of dog owners, if you're in a situation where you love the dog and it's a great dog, but in the case of the story in the Wall Street Journal, they're saying you know we 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 leave home alone and the dog does nothing but. Bark for for several hours we and disturbs everybody else we, we've got to figure out a way to stop that and the person says you know I you know I, I've, I've tried other methods but you know it's it's very difficult we don't necessarily have a couple years to correct that sort of behavior so the question becomes I mean is it cruel and unusual to do that to try to correct the you know behavior that's 
out there. Um, so, you know, that's the, the factor. Um, and somebody says, Jeff, those, those collars are designed for bigger dogs, not necessarily a small one. Well, I, I have one that's a small one, but again, I, it's, I would never, I'm, I'm not talking about the prong collar and I'm not talking about like shocking or I, I think, you know, a, a buzz or the noise. I, I might be willing to go that far, but I, I'm hoping we can work this out otherwise. But again, I, I think, I, I think people have, a, a, an obligation to just like I think you have an obligation when you're walking your pet to clean up after your pet. I think you have an obligation to do the best you can to to train your pet, not just for you, but for everybody else uh, around. And I'm not talking about hitting the dogs. I'm not talking about beating the dogs. I'm talking about trying to engage in some corrective sort of behavior to get rid of some of those you know those those bad habits that are out there. So I'm wrestling with this. Um, as I said, right now. Right now, I just can't bring myself to put the collar on, but, um, you know, I, I'm going to keep this article to remind me if I ever get to the point where I think we have to get to that stage. At least the writer of the article says, hey, I'm just I'm disciplining the dog. I, I'm not torturing her. Yeah. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Okay, this is a good story from the world of, of sports. Um, a lot of times when you have free agent baseball, basketball, football, hockey players, whatever, and, and they make a decision to move from one team to another, they, all, they always say, well, it's, it's, it's not about the money. It's about this or that or the other thing. And at the end of the day, it, it really ends up being about the money because in many cases, they're, they're and I get it. I mean, it, it's a free market world. We're capitalists, and and you go where they pay you the most. I mean, I always remember when people when Reggie White came to Green Bay, and he used to talk about this was being a calling and things like that. Well, Green Bay offered him more money than any other place did. Now he went on to have a great career in Green Bay, and and that's great. But it it is sometimes it's about the money. Well. I've always kind of raised this question because I've never been in a situation where I had more money than I could possibly spend in a lifetime. But a lot of times with these basketball players, while it's about the money, they, it's also maybe about some other stuff. And and Bobby Portis, who became a great fan favorite, he he was a free agent. He opted out of his contract, which he was allowed to do. And he announced yesterday that he's coming back to Milwaukee, signed a two-year, $9 million deal. Now, the the key thing here is he could have, in all likelihood, attracted a larger off- offer from another team. But even though he could make more money by going to Charlotte or going, you know, somewhere else, he, he liked it here. He'd become kind of a cult hero among the Bucks fans. He, he liked the fact that he'd been embraced by the community. And at the end of the day, they're paying him $9 million over two years, so it's not exactly like he's going to have to be living on public assistance. But the bottom line is he left money on the table to come back to Milwaukee. you got to love that, especially in today's day and age with professional sports. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I am fascinated how you feel about this next issue. Um, in, in a little over a month, we're doing our postponed listener trip to, to France, River Cruise on the Seine, and we're going to Normandy and things like that. We, we've got a actually a, a relatively large group of people considering... You know, all the different travel restrictions. And I'm very excited to do that. And Fox World Travel always does a great job. Um, but 
I, I have had some questions, and it's one of our ongoing conversations. Now, to travel overseas, you need to be vaccinated. So it's it just th- those are what the rules are. So everybody going our, on our trip is going to be vaccinated. So that kind of becomes a non-issue. But there's a huge, huge thing going on in France right now because the, the, France has implemented rules which essentially say in order to go into business, in order to get into cultural venues, bars, and restaurants, you have to have proof that you have been vaccinated or a, a negative COVID test that was taken within like the last like 48 hours or something like that. Um, so th- it's, it's the deal. It's a, it's a vax pass. And, and you're going to need this. Now, it's interesting because in, in France, this has created this huge, huge issue. Um, look at the New York Times. You know, France brought in vaccine passes. People are not happy. And you have a large number of people in France who, who are, are protesting. In France, the vaccination rate um, it's like 46%, so it, it's below where we are. But it's, it's been increasing. But the rules are, they're saying, look, if you want to go into bars, you want to go into restaurants, you, you've got to have one of these VAX passes. And, and I've had just a couple questions because if you're not from France, you can't get one of the France VAX passes. But they, they assure me that there's going to be a way that this works out. But, it's again, it's kind of academic because everybody on our trip's going to, is going to, by definition, you know, be vaccinated. So presumably that this isn't going to be an issue. But there's a lot of people out there that aren't vaccinated and they don't like it, which brings me to New York City. Story in today's Wall Street Journal. New York City is getting set to require vaccinations for many indoor activities like restaurants and gyms. New York City will require individuals to show proof of vaccination for indoor activities, such as dining, going to gymnasiums, and events. The policy is going to be phased in and will be implemented by August 16th, which is two weeks. By the week of September 13th, the city will begin inspections and enforcement. So um, what what the mayor is saying by this executive order is if you want to go out to bars, if you want to go out to restaurants, if you want to go to the museums, if you want to go to the shows, you have to be vaccinated and you have to prove that you are, in fact, vaccinated. And you need, well, what they call it is the key to the New York City pass. So, you know, in order, they're not saying that you have to be vaccinated. You get that choice. But if you want to go to bars and restaurants and things of the like, you have to you have to do it and you have to have that vax pass. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now again, for someone like me who is you know, vaccinated, this becomes kind of academic other than the whatever the pain in the butt is of whether you have to carry physically that little card you get or, you know, whether there's some app you can download and put on your phone or whatever. But so you, you've got that. But for the 40 to 45 percent of the public who is, in fact, not vaccinated, is it unreasonable for the government to come in and look, let's understand that this is an effort to try to force people to get vaccinated. Should the government be able to say, 
You can't go to bars. You can't go to restaurants. You can't go to these other different businesses unless and until you've been vaccinated. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Not saying you have to do it, but they're saying if you want to participate in a lot of stuff that we like to do, um, you got to be vaccinated. 855-616-1620. I'll give you my perspective while Agru is lining up the phone calls. I think it is possible, and I've argued this before, to be pro-vaccine, which I am, and, and anti-vaccine mandates. I do not think the government should be telling private businesses that you can only serve people who have been vaccinated. You, you can't have somebody in your restaurant or your bar if they can't prove they've been vaccinated. I think that that is a government overreach. And this comes, and I, matter of fact, I think when you do that, all you're going to do is create a further backlash. And, and rather than move us as a country towards getting more and more people vaccinated, I think that that's going to make a lot of people dig in and say, look, we're, we're never getting vaccinated. We're not going to have the government tell us what to do. And from the perspective of, of a business, I mean, if I'm if I'm running a bar, I don't know. Now the mayor's going to tell me that I can't serve people who haven't been vaccinated. Hmm. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about the Vax Pass? We discuss in a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Peggy and Mequon. Peggy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, what do you think about Vax passes and the government saying you, you, you can't go to a gym, you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a movie theater unless you've got one of these Vax passes and you've been vaccinated? I, I, first of all, I'm fully vaccinated. Second of all, I think it's a huge government overreach. I think if the movie theater itself or the bar itself or the restaurant itself wants to put up a sign saying, please wear a mask or no entry unless you're vaccinated, that is the right of the individual business. And I would encourage individual businesses to do what they think is best for their business. But for government to overreach like that, I wonder what they're going to be overreaching on next. Yeah, I see, I agree with your analogy and the way you, you break it down. To me, it, there's a difference between, if, if for example, a business, let, let's not even talk about the vaccination, a, a business wants to impose a mask rule. That they, I think they have every right to do it, and, and Peggy, you and I can make the decision, okay, do we want to shop at this place? Do we want to you know, go to this bar or whatever? But that's the decision the individual business has made. I, I agree with you. For, for the government to say, but to, first of all, to a business, this is a condition that you have to have for us to allow you to stay open. And to say to individuals, you you can't go to this you can't go to this movie theater unless you do what we tell you. I think, I mean, th- then you might as well just say let let's just pass a law saying everybody has to be vaccinated and see where that goes. Well, that's how I feel. And I actually last week I had a cold, so I decided on my own to go get a COVID test, not for myself but for everybody around me so that they would feel comfortable that, no, I don't have COVID. I also decided on my own that I would start wearing a mask when I went in somewhere simply because I have a cold. And I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable around me. So I think that American citizens will make good decisions for themselves and for other people 
without the government dictating what we should and should not do. Well, I say, Peggy, I, I'm with you. And as a matter of fact, I know several people who don't who are who are vaccinated who question the the latest CDC rules and and think like I do that there's sort of some hysteria that's going on here but nevertheless have made the decision that when they go into different stores for example they just routinely they're going to go back to putting on their masks because just like you said they they don't want people who are scared to to feel uncomfortable so it it's it's just but that's that's a decision that they are making and and I I respect that particular decision, even though, again, I'm, I'm still a follow the science, and I'm not convinced at all that the science says that if you're fully vaccinated, that you pose a significant risk to other people. And as a matter of fact, as I've argued before, I, I think we're sending mixed messages because we're telling people get vaccinated and you don't have to worry about stuff. But oh, but if but if you are vaccinated, you still have to worry about a lot of these things. Let's talk to Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Lamar. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, so I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum of the, than the previous caller. I think that the government should do something. I'm in Florida. We, we have, our governor has clearly tried to pull out the stops so that people, there are no mask mandates. He's anti-mandates. He's anti-anything in terms of trying to, you know, get people to do, in my opinion, which is a responsible thing. And we now lead the nation in, um, in new COVID uh, cases hospitalization, et cetera. We're going in the opposite direction. And I, I, I feel like if you leave people to their own, and, I, and again, I, I think that for the most part, people make good decisions, but in, with respect to COVID, we're just not. We're not. We should be past this by now, but we're not. We're going in the opposite direction. And, and so I feel like the government has to do something. Okay, so let me, let me ask you the direct the right question, way. Lamar. Do you think that the government, like what they're going to apparently do in New York, should say to people, if you're not vaccinated, you can't go to bars, you can't go to movie theaters, you can't go into restaurants. You think that's going too far? Yes. No. No, I think that because we've 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 done the hands-off approach, and it ain't working. We're going in the opposite direction. And for a country as great as this one, we shouldn't be heading in that direction. We should be leading the globe and saying, hey, this is how you get it done. Okay. We, that's that's how I feel. Okay, Lamar. Now let me ask. I, I've actually, I, you're a regular caller, and I appreciate your, your thoughtful response. You are an African American male, correct? I am. Okay. All right. So here, here's a text I got, and I just I, I do throw because I always kind of like deal with like kind of real world issues here. And so here's one of the texts, mm-hmm. Jeff. New York City. Only about thirty five percent of black people in new york city are vaccinated can't wait to see all the videos of wealthy white people walking into places while members of minority groups are denied good luck with this is that a valid issue i mean just the optics of that i I get it i get it but i'm and i hate that we throw race into everything because not everything is about race right i agree yeah and and i and i i get the optics but you know i'm Sorry, but not sorry. We, okay. we we need to get vaccinated. We need to be doing things the right way, and I'm 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 for the government trying to nudge us in the right direction. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate. It. I mean, I was I was just trying to think about that because, you know, I was saying this when we were kind of, you know, talking about a related subject a couple hours ago, and I mean, I understand that one of the narratives in the mainstream media is that this is this is a purely political thing and that uh democrats all get vaccinated and republicans don't get vaccinated and that's that that's just that's just not true <laughs> it's 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 just 
not. Um, it, this is an issue, the whole vaccination thing, that transcends politics. Lots of Republicans have gotten vaccinated, but also lots of people uh, apart from politics. If you look at the groups where there's the largest amount of lack of participation, it, it is in the minority community for, for whatever reasons. I mean, in urban areas, now, I don't know, the, the texture was saying 35%, but I, I, that doesn't necessarily strike me as being unreasonable because typically, at least the data I've seen in a lot of the urban areas, heavily, you know, m- where the large minority populations, the, the number of, um, the number of Hispanics or, or black people that are getting vaccinated for whatever reason is lagging behind the number of whites. A- and again, it's also young people too. If you look at people 30 and under, you know, they're making that decision as well. So I, I am, I am kind of playing this out. I'm trying to figure out what what the optics are if all of a sudden you put this rule into effect and I don't know that doesn't convince, you know, members of the minority population to to get vaccinated. They're going to be turned away while other people are going in. I'm just it's and I agree with Lamar. You don't want to throw race into everything. But if that's one of the factors that's there, how how are those optics, in fact, going to look? I think. See, I think part of my problem with all this is, is, is the mandates that, that is a distraction. What I believe we should be doing is trying to convince, cajole, encourage as many people as possible to get vaccinated, recognizing that there will always be a certain number of people, and may, maybe you're one of them, who, who's going to make that decision not to. And I think we have to respect that decision not to, just like I've said this before. I, I don't understand people who start smoking. Makes no sense to me. But while it makes no sense to me, I, I, I understand there's certain consequences that come from smoking. It's a decision that individuals have made. There's always going to be a certain percentage of people who, for whatever reason, are going to refuse to get vaccinated. And rather than having these conversations about mandates, which to me do nothing but, but divide us, and I think make it less likely that you're going to get significantly more cooperation and actually might cause people to just kind of dig in their heels. I, I think we're better off by approaching it in, in other sorts of ways. If a private business wants to set up rules, like our first caller Peggy was talking about, if a private caller wants a business wants to set up rules and say, you know, you, you need to wear a mask to come into our place, go with God. If a private business wants to say, hey, we're only going to serve vaccinated people, uh, that that's their business. Government taking that next step and requiring that of someone in order to participate in an otherwise legal activity of daily life, I, I think it's counterproductive, and I think actually it's kind of a scary big brother sort of thing. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind. Please stick around.